If you have your Bibles tonight, would you turn them to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 13? 1 Samuel chapter 13, we're going to read verses 5 through 14. I want to preach a message uh, I've entitled, Overcoming Compulsion. And tonight I'm going to look at the forces that want to move us away from our position of blessing and favor with God. In particular, I want to deal with the compulsions that drive us outside of God's boundaries that God has given us to thrive in. How many of you know God puts boundaries around our lives not to uh, restrict us or hinder us, but that we might prosper within those boundaries? Psalm 16, verse 6, David said, The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. And what what David is saying is he said, God, you put boundaries around my life. You put boundary lines around me. And within those boundaries, I can prosper. I can experience the blessing of God. But David also knew that when he strayed outside those boundaries, there was all kinds of negative things and negative consequences to his life. And one reason people stray Outside of God's boundaries or lines is through some sort of compulsion, some sort of feeling of just, I have to do this. And I want to look at that, explore that a little bit tonight. I think God can help a a number of people on this issue. So let's go ahead and read. We're going to read the story tonight of Saul and Samuel and how he was compelled to make a sacrifice. He was not in the position of, of a priest. He was not in the position of a prophet to do this. He was the king of Israel, but he was not to function in, in making sacrifices. That, that was to be the priest. And so uh, let's go ahead and read this tonight. First Samuel 13, verse 5. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people as the sandwiches on the seashore multitude. And they came up and camped in Michmash to the east of Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed. Then the people hid in caves and thickets and rocks and holes and in pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal and all the people followed him trembling. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by, by Samuel. In other words, Samuel said, I'll be there in seven days. And he says, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down to me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled. I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord, which he commanded you. For, for now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And I want to begin tonight and talk about Saul's compulsive error. 
Saul is frustrated uh, and he's fearful. He's in a perfect storm of stress where people are abandoning him. His own soldiers, it says they followed him fearfully. Uh, They followed him trembling. And so he's got the Philistines surrounding him, as you can read in the earlier scriptures, that by the sand, which is by the seashore. So there's all kinds of the enemy coming against him. His, his um, His own men are abandoning him. And at the same time, uh, Samuel's late. You know, Samuel's supposed to be there to, to make this offering, to, to gain favor with God, to gain victory and dominion with God. And for whatever reason, that's always something that's always bothered me. It's like, you know, Samuel's like, what were you doing? What was more important than this? But anyway, that's a whole other sermon, so I got to explore that and read some more Bible commentaries on that. But what are you doing that's more important than God's army and being attacked by the Philistines? And you had to delay. So anyway, uh, one of those things that trouble trouble me when I, when I read the Bible. And a part of me is sympathetic to Saul. You know, he's, man, he's under the gun, you know. He's got, he's got this, this Philistine army coming against him. He's got his own people abandoning him. And not only that, but the prophet's late. And so through this perfect storm of circumstances, uh, he very foolishly steps outside of the boundaries that God had called him to and offers an offering. God's, you don't do that as king. That's not your role. That's not your office. Uh, only the priest can do that. Uh, and so, uh, you know, he steps outside of this uh, boundary. And I begin to think about how, you know, many times that this is, this is life for a lot of us, uh, is that the perfect storm of circumstances begin to happen in our lives, whether it's uh, your spouse gets mad at you, you have a financial setback, uh, and your kids are doing this, or something else is going on, your boss gets on your case, and all these, it's not just one thing, but it's all these different things happen, and what happens many times uh, is that uh, through that set of circumstances, we find ourselves giving into a compulsion. Anybody ever been there except me? Okay, y'all, y'all good people. Can you pray for me after service? We'll, we'll uh, pray for your pastor. Amen. But you know, I mean, you know, when people get stressed, and this is, you know, many times people that are not saved or people that are saved many times, they, they, uh, they give in to their compulsions. Could be drugs or alcohol. It could be pornography. It could be binging on food. It could be a, a shopping spree. It could be giving in to your temper. How many of you know that, that when, you're, when the stress levels are up, when the perfect storm of circumstances happen, uh, we just we give in to our compulsions? Many areas we can do this in marriages. We can get frustrated in our marriages and speak things we shouldn't speak. Uh, wives can get frustrated when they feel the reluctance of their husband to deal with something and say, well, if he won't deal with it, I will. And we step outside of God's boundaries. You know, we step outside of, of what, you know, what God's role is for. Well, hey, you know what? He's not, the prophet's not here. Prophet's not dealing. I, I got to step in and do this. Another example is revenge. You know, the story of Absalom, when, uh, you know, Amnon, his half-brother, raped Ab- Abs- Absalom's sister, Tamar. You know, David drug his feet. He didn't deal with it. He didn't, you know, he just kind of, he just kind of turned a blind eye to the whole thing. As a, as a result, uh, Absalom had him killed. He compulsively said, well, you know what, David, if you're not going to deal with it, I'll deal with it. I mean, no, that's an act of compulsion. Romans 12, 19 says, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. Uh, 
For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And many times we see this in violence as people feel like that, hey, I'm not getting justice through the law, so I'll get justice myself. That's a compulsive act. And you know, things don't have to be bad to experience compulsion. I thought about Adam and Eve. You know, they, things weren't bad for them. They were living in paradise. Everything was perfect. And God said, this one fruit, don't touch it. I mean, I used to think, man, you're living in paradise. And there's only one area you can't touch. Put a post-it note on your forehead. Don't touch the fruit. Don't touch the fruit, you know. But for some reason, in Genesis 3, verse 7, it says, uh, So the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now, nothing was wrong. There, there was no trouble in paradise. They were living in perfect paradise, perfect relationship with God. But somehow, the enemy created this compulsion in her. Hey, you need to have this. This is important. I know, it, you know, God, has God really said, you know, he tricks her and stuff. He, he deceives her. Has God really said, you know, that you can't have this? You know, you know hey, you know, if you have this, your eyes will be opened. You know, then you'll, you know, then you'll be like God. And so the enemy actually created a compulsion in Eve that she gave into, and they lost paradise. They lost perfect fellowship, and they were hiding, hiding from the Lord when he came to walk with them in the Garden of Eden. I remember years ago when I was doing drugs, trafficking different people, you'd meet different people, and I met a woman that she was a housewife, her husband had a great job. She stayed at home mom. Uh, he had just bought her a new house, had children. But she said, you know, I'm just, I'm just not happy. And so she eventually became a drug addict, abandoned her family, uh, you know, just, just ruined her life. And there was nothing wrong other than probably she needed to get saved. I didn't, wasn't saved that time, so I couldn't witness to her. But, you know, what I'm saying is, is that everything was good. It wasn't like all these pressures coming against her life, but there was this restlessness, this compulsion that made her step outside of God's boundaries for her life. I'm going to look next that compulsion usually brings destruction. You know, Saul's compulsion ended his throne. In verses 13 and 14, the Bible says, And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly, you have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. For the Lord has sought him for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commanded, commander over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And what, what Samuel's saying to Saul is, you stepped outside of the boundaries that God placed around your life. You entered into something. He said, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. Samuel said, that's not your role. You're a king. You are not a prophet or a priest. It is not your role to offer burnt offerings. And because you stepped outside, that God has, re has removed the kingdom from you. Proverbs 25, 28 says, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. And what that's talking about is when we don't rule 
over our compulsion. How many of you know everybody's got compulsions? We all got them. We all got roads that, that we know we can go down unless there's some kind of hindering restriction upon our lives, unless the Holy Ghost, uh, amen, gets a hold of our hearts. Uh, there's all kinds of things we will enter into if, you know, if those things are unrestrained. But Proverbs says, if you don't rule over your spirit, you're like a city broken down without walls. In other words, uh, if you don't stay within the boundaries, uh, the, those walls are broken down and all kinds of things can come in on you. Stories of murders and suicides constantly in the news. Both these behaviors are compulsive behaviors. There was a man in the Fairfield Church who uh, told me about a friend he went to high school with. And uh, this man was driving across the Golden Gate Bridge. He stopped his car right in the middle of the highway, took his keys out, went over to and jumped over the side of the bridge and killed himself. A very compulsive act. There was a man last week, uh, uh, Pastor Carney was talking about this morning, this billionaire, not a millionaire, a billionaire, took his life in New York City. He was a major investor, 78 years old. He, tremendously successful man, a billionaire, and he compulsively took his life. There's documentaries on Golden Gate Bridge Jumpers. I was, when we lived up in the Northern California, I, I, I watched this documentary on people who had, uh, had, had jumped over them. And uh, there was 19 survivors out of over 2,000 people, out of over 2,000 people who've jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge, there's been 19 survivors. And so one of them was a man named Kevin Hines, and they had his story, a very interesting story. He survived the jump, but he broke a bunch of bones. I think he broke his back. He broke some other bones. There was a boat that saw him fall in the water. They picked him up right away. They got him medical attention, and he and he recovered. Now, he had some lasting, you know, like nerve damage and different things like that. But he could still walk and he could still move around and stuff. And he said the same thing that all the other 19 survivors said when they jumped over the bridge. He said, the millisecond my hands left the rail, there was an instant regret and knew he just made the biggest mistake of his life. So the moment, in other words, he... He's feeling this compulsion. I need to kill myself. I need to end it. It needs to be over. And he says, the millisecond that my hand left the railing to fall into the water, he said, I instantly regret it, and I knew I'd made the biggest mistake in my life. Why? Because a compulsion, a compulsion drove him to do something that was going to alter his life forever and probably end his life, though he did survive. You know, most violence is compulsive. Isaiah 59, 7 says, Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity, wasting and destruction are in their paths. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed. In other words, there's something about violence uh, that's very compulsive. Most of you familiar, well back, with there was, there was the George Floyd riots uh, and many things, you know, people got caught up in it. There was two attorneys in New York, uh, two, an, Ivy League, an Ivy League educated Brooklyn lawyer who helped torch an NYPD car during the 2020 George Floyd protests. Uh, 
will spend one year and a day in prison, a federal judge ruled Thursday. This was just recently. Uh, Colin Ford Mattis bought the gasoline and drove the getaway van while fellow lawyer Yeruj Rahman hurled a Molotov cocktail at a police car outside the 88th Precinct Station House in Brooklyn on May 30th, 2020. The lawyer also burned down his career in the process. He and Rahman were caught that night, and since their arrest, both have been disbarred. So here's two people. They're professional. They are attorneys, but they got caught up in something. They got caught up in something, and they decided to torch a police car, and there was this compulsion to do something, and he, he gives his report. He says, man, I don't know. I, was just, I just got caught up in it. He's apologizing to the judge and everything. He says, I, I don't know. I just, I just got caught up and, and did this, and so now he's been dismarred. He's going to spend a year in jail, and his whole career has been shattered because of a compulsion. You know, sin never wants us to stop and think about what we're doing. Sin is always compulsive. Proverbs 1 is the jumped into the gang proverb. You ever heard the jumped into the gang proverb? I'll read Proverbs 1. I don't think I put it up there. Verses 10 through 16, the New Living Translation. It says, my child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. They may say, come and join us. Let's hide and kill someone just for fun. Let's ambush the innocent. Let, let's swallow them alive like the grave. Let's swallow them whole like those who go down to the, to the pit of death. Think of the great things we'll get. We'll fill our houses with all the stuff we take. Come, throw in your lot with us. We'll all share the loot. My child, don't go along with them. Stay far away from their paths. Verse 16, for their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. Why is, it, why is violence always so compulsive? Their feet run to evil. They make haste to shed blood. So there's a compulsive nature to violence. It's something that you feel in the moment. This is why uh, in marriage there can be abuse in marriage, and many times it happens in a moment. Somebody, you know, wife snaps at the man or something. He decides to, you know, throw down, and it's, it's a compulsive action. Proverbs 14, 29 says, He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. Think about how much of sin involves impulsiveness and compulsiveness. Think about Potiphar's wife and Joseph in Genesis 39, 10 through 12. So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside that she caught him by the garment saying, lie with me. But he left the, his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. She caught him by his garment and said, lie. It's, it's, it was a compulsive act. She came on to him in a compulsive way. There's something about sin that is very very aggressive in Proverbs 7, 7. It talks about the warning to young men about immorality. And, and I don't want to read the whole thing, but in verse, uh, verses 12 and 13 says, it talks about the immoral woman. She's often in the streets and markets soliciting at every corner. She threw her arms around him and kissed him. And verse 22 says, he followed her at once like an ox going to slaughter. He was like a stag caught in the trap. She threw her arms around him and kissed him. She came on to him in a very compulsive, 
sudden way. That's the way sin operates. You're not expecting it. You're going around minding your own business. Boom, it hits you, man. All of a sudden, there's that compulsive act that tries to draw you in to some type of sin, a sudden compulsive act. Think about what we speak. There's all sorts of warnings in the Bible about comp- compulsive and destructive words. Proverbs 29, 11 and 20 says, A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. You ever, you ever hear somebody say, Well, I just say what I think. Well, there's, 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 there's a term for you in the Bible. and uh, I just let it fly, man. You know, I just keep it real. just want to keep it real. You can keep it real and you can be a fool. Verse 20, do you see a man hasty in his words? There's more hope for a fool than for him. A man compulsive in his speech. This is why the psalmist said in Psalm 141.3, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Have you ever heard the term compulsive liar? I mean, some people lie compulsively. That's a great story. I'll just explain it briefly, just for time's sake. But the Amalekite, during Saul's death, if you know the story, I'll just read a little background. 1 Samuel 31, verse 4. It says, Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword. Remember, they're, they're surrounded by the Philistines. They're coming in on him. Saul and his sons are about to die. Then Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised men come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor bearer would not, for he was greatly afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell on it. So his armor bearer gets away, and he finds David. And so, uh, you know, he comes to David, he tells this story, and he said, um, uh, David said, who are you? He said, I'm a, I am an Amalekite. He said to me again, please stand over me and kill me for anguish has come upon me, but my life still remains in me. So I stood over him and killed him because I was sure that he would not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head and the bracelet that was on his arm and have brought them here to my Lord. And so here's this guy that the Bible says on the scene that he didn't kill him. He was too afraid to kill him. But when he got to David... He feels compelled to tell a different story. And the story he tells is that I really did kill him. You know, in other words, he thinks he's going to, he did a good thing. You know, he was too cowardly to, to kill Saul when he asked him to. He shouldn't have done it anyway. Don't, you don't touch the Lord's He made the right decision the first time. But he felt like, hey, he would impress David if, if he told David that Saul told him to kill him. And he did it. So he lied to him. And so David puts him to death for killing Saul for something he didn't do. A compulsive liar. They'll always catch you. See, compulsive is reactionary, and it often, it's often our, our default behaviors. Uh, uh, Proverbs 12, 16 says, A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. That's why, you know, sometimes, man, people are letting things fly. Just take a step back. Take a step back. Just be a little quiet. Just let God, you know, you see what's going on here. You know, when Jesus was being crucified and they said, who should we release, Jesus or Barabbas? They said, release Barabbas, release Barabbas. Uh, and then they, they came to them the third time. And, you know, he's trying to reason. Pilate's kind of, he's trying, why are we crucifying this man? He hasn't done anything wrong. 
And then he said the third time, Why, what evil has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chase, chastise him, and let him go. But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voice of these men and, and the chief priests prevailed. They were insistent. It's the same word as urgent. They were crucify him, crucify him. So there's something about sin that is very compulsive. And our compulsions, you know, they go far beyond moral or addiction issues. They're just something that can show up in other areas. You know, our society and advertising is geared towards uh, tapping into your compulsions. When I worked at Home Depot, I worked on the merchandising team, just straightening up shelves and doing different things. And they had these things called clip strips. Anybody know what clip strips are? Anyway, you go into a bay at Home Depot or Lowe's, and you see these, uh, these, these strips that hang in between the bays, and they have things attached to them. It could be air fresheners or goggles or tape or whatever. There's different things. Uh, and Home Depot, those are no accident. And, and they were telling us, you know, when, when we're, because we're the merchandising team, put, putting things up for people to get people's attention. And they said, these clip strips are designed for impulse buying. What does that mean? You didn't go to the store for that. You didn't go to the store. You went down the, the, the tile aisle to, to get some tile or to get some, uh, you know, some uh, goop, you know, to put your tile on. But then you see this thing. Oh, man, that looks really cool. And so you wind out walking, you know, you went in there to spend 50 bucks and you wind out spending 75 or 80 bucks because something caught your eye. That's impulse buying. Now, I'm not saying that's necessarily sin, but I'm saying is that the whole financial market is geared towards our impulses. Financial decisions are often made under compulsion. Well, my boss said this deal is only good for today. If you'll buy today, we will reduce the price of this car $2,000. This is not on for tomorrow. You got to make a decision, right? How many of you know? If you go to buy a car, man, you just feel under the, you know? I always go just, hey, it's over. I know it's not going to go well. Do the best I can and, um, you know, ask God to help me later. I don't know, but uh, I've never, you know, if you, if, you, if you think you went in and got over, oh, man, they told me they knocked off this. <laughs> yeah, okay. I got a bridge for sale, so uh, you can see me after service. I'll sell you one of those. But even good things can become compulsive. Exercise. Oh, man, just touched the, the golden calf, didn't I? I mean, you know, what happens when you miss your workout? You lose the victory? Oh, man, I didn't get to work out. Now you lost the victory. Diet. <laughs> Becoming compulsive about what we eat. You know, Jesus told Peter, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Not so, Lord, it's not keto. <laughs> I mean, you know, we get, you know, we get compulsive, and if, and if we don't, you know, obey it, then, then, then we feel like we've lost the victory. Even good things like prayer. And I think I shared this before, but there was a time in my life, you know, I was very disciplined in prayer. But if I miss prayer meeting, 
I'd lose the victory. It was a horrible day all day long. I didn't pray today. God has no obligation to help me. I missed prayer. I overslept, whatever reason. But I'd be grouchy all day. And God just rebuked me one day and said, hey, I know you're faithful. You know, you can miss a day of prayer and keep the joy of the Lord. It's okay. It's not the end of the world here. And I learned to give victory over that. Now, I, I thank God that yeah, God put that discipline in me. But just because you miss a day of prayer or a day of reading your Bible doesn't mean it's the end of the world, saints. I'm not telling you to neglect. I'm just saying, uh, you know, I'm saying, hey, you can, you know, don't let it become such a compulsion that you lose victory because you miss something. Think about technology. Kids become enraged when their computer games are taken away from them. There was a video last week of a, a young kid attacking a teacher who took his uh, Nintendo uh, Switch away from him. He almost killed her. Being compulsive will never find satisfaction. You know, Jesus told the woman at the well who had five husbands, he said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. She had five, so she would compulsively marry people, compulsively get in relationships, uh, compulsively move from one person to another. He says, listen, you can drink of that water relationships. You're going to thirst again. There's not a man that can satisfy you. There's not another human being that can satisfy you. You're always going to thirst again. Zsa Zsa Gabor had a great quote. Somebody said, who's that? Well, look her up. You can Google it. She was a very... Pretty woman that married, I don't know how many times she got married, but uh, she said, I'm a compulsive buyer. Anything beautiful I see, I want. That's how we got the Waldorf Astoria. I told Conrad Hilton, I want the Waldorf, and he bought it. The only problem was I divorced him before the escrow was finished. And so what she's saying is that she divorced him before she could, in divorce court, get anything out of that. And so she's a compulsive woman marrying this guy and that guy. And then, and then you know, she said, I like whatever I see. I just kind of grab it. And, and so I told Conrad Hilton to buy this Waldorfer story. Uh, and the problem is that I'm so compulsive about divorcing him, I missed out on the blessing because uh, they closed the deal after we got divorced. Amen. I want to end and talk about overcoming our compulsions. We must trust in God's goodness and reliability to overcome compulsive behavior in our own lives. Listen to Isaiah 28, 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious stone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Whoever believes will not act hastily. In other words, whoever believes will not react out of compulsion in life that you're not going to go through life if you trust in God and the sure foundation of God you know that staying within God's boundaries for your life eventually the blessing is going to come God God honors his word he honors faithfulness uh, and all these things and he says you will not act compulsively if you trust in God Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. And so God says, if you just be diligent, just be faithful, stay in the boundaries, he says, you are going to lead to prosperity in your life. He says, but those who is, everyone who is, who is hasty 
will wind up in poverty. There'll be a poverty, whether it's a spirit or finances. But he said, listen, life is busy. Protect your spirit. Stay aware of the strategy against you. When you feel compulsive in any, any area of your life, ask yourself some questions. Why am I feeling this right now? Why do I feel so moved upon to enter into this behavior, even though I know it's wrong? Why am I feeling this compulsion? And you have to realize it's a strategy of the enemy. And with God, there's always a way to overcome. There's always an exit strategy with God. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And so, in other words, it's saying, well, you don't understand, man. I felt so tempted. I felt so I felt so compulsive that I just had to do it. God says, no, no, no. He says, with that temptation, he says, there is a way of escape. There is a way out. I remember years ago, Pastor Fred Ruby was preaching in Tucson. And he talked about the, uh, which I've gone on, is the, uh, the subway, the, the, the bark that goes underneath the bay. And so um, it's, it's underneath the bay. It comes out on the other side. And so there's different places where it does that. And he was, he was on it one night when he was in Northern California. And he was underneath the bay. And he saw, as, as they were going by, little places that said exit and stairways and stuff. He said, here I am underneath the bay, you know, that this thing breaks down. There's a way out. There's a way out. You know, there's an exit strategy. And so many times we're like that. We feel like we're so overwhelmed by some kind of temptation. There's no way out. I just have to give in. That's a compulsion. And God says there's a way out if you look for it. Richard Foster said, God wants us to be free. God wants to free us from the terrible burden of always having to get our own way. Let me say it again. God wants to free us from the terrible burden of always having to get our own way. That's what it means to behave on your compulsions. In other words, you feel this thing, man, this thing's driving me, this thing's tempting me, I might as well just give in. Listen, if you'll stand against that thing, God will help you. And he'll help you each time. Uh, in, in one of the books that I have on temptation, different things, it talks about waves. Many times there's waves of temptation. You feel a wave coming, and you feel this compulsion. You feel like, man, if I don't, uh, if I don't give in, you know, it's just, it's just going to be like this always. We said many times that wave will stop, and there's another wave coming. You know, but he says, if you'll just begin to go through those waves and stand against those temptations, each time the waves come, you'll be stronger to stand against them. You'll be able to uh, overcome them if you will learn to stand against those times and those waves where you feel like, man, nothing's going to change. I might as well just give in. Jesus was tempted 40 days in the wilderness and the enemy tempted him. He said, command the stone to become bread. Don't live by bread alone. And, he, you know, Jesus, Jesus answered him, don't, don't uh, you know, man shall not live by bread alone. But one of the temptations was, and this always kind of shocked me, is that the devil took him and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Think about that. The devil showed him everything in a very short burst. 
Remember, he's been fasting and praying for, four, for 40 days. Fall down and worship me. You can have it all. And Jesus said, you shall worship the Lord your God. Only him you shall serve. And so think about this, is that the intensity of that temptation. He showed him all the kingdoms in a moment of time, pressed into this compulsive moment. And Jesus didn't fall. He also said, throw yourself off the temple. God will catch you. Jesus said, you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. You don't do that. Notice how Satan's temptations always appeal to the cult compulsive nature of man. George Morrison, I close with this, says the way of the devil was the immediate way. Reckless of means so that the end was gained and the way of Jesus is the long way, which he is mystically treading still. All the kingdoms will I give thee now. The devil is always conjuring with now. For one brief moment, Jesus Christ was tempted to get his triumph by the shortest road. But he put it from him and chose the long, slow way that led him through the garden to the cross and has led him through the ages to his victories and a thousand earnest and consecrated servants. God is patient because he is eternal. There is something of that patience about Jesus. His time was short, and yet his ways were long. You know, one thing we need to see, too, as we close, is that many times when we give in to a compulsion, what we don't realize is the answer is just right around the corner. You know, the thing about Saul, as we read verses 9 and 10, I want to close. Saul said, bring a burnt offering, peace offerings here to me, and he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened, as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, that Samuel came, and Samuel went out to meet him that he might greet him. So the answer was right around the corner. And many times when we give in the temptation, we give in to some compulsion, the answer's just right around the corner. And the devil knows that you're about to hit a breakthrough. The devil knows you're about to overcome something. You're about to experience a great victory, but he wants to put this compulsive moment on your life to sabotage you outside the boundaries of God's blessing. Amen. Let's bow our heads tonight. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Appreciate you all tonight. Amen. <clears throat> just before we move on in our service, I just wonder if there's anyone here this evening that you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never been born again, or perhaps tonight you find yourself backslidden away from God. And maybe even tonight you're a victim or, you know, you are suffering under the consequences of your compulsions. Compulsion can be an addiction. Compulsion can be an inability to say no. I'm here to tell you tonight that Jesus Christ can help you. I was a compulsive person before I got saved. I could never say no. I couldn't say no to drugs. I couldn't say no to immorality. I couldn't say no to all the sin presented to me. I was a compulsive addict um, I, I would just enter into drinking and drugs and just go at it full blast. I could never do it a little bit at a time. It was a very compulsive act, and I'd always give myself to the whole thing. 
and and God helped me. Amen. I got saved, and and God began to give me dominion in my life, and God began to help me overcome the temptations that would come my way. I couldn't believe it when I, the first time I was offered drugs, and I said, no, I don't do that anymore. And I remember walking away from that, man, I can't believe I actually said no. And it was amazing how that when I quit, all of a sudden the people were the biggest tightwads in the world, all of a sudden were offering me free stuff. But tonight I'm here to tell you that no matter how far your life may be controlled by compulsion there's a loving savior that wants to set you free and help you this evening he wants to work in your life if that's you tonight before we go any further in this service uh, you lift your hand say would you pray for me tonight I'm backslidden or I'm, 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 I'm unsaved I'm away from God and I need a savior tonight I need God tonight I need God to help me in the area of my sin I need to be forgiven and help by God. Anybody here, slip up your hand, put it right back down. God will help you tonight, if you'll be honest. God will help you. Okay, church, tonight, I just, I've been kicking this sermon around for a while. I, I actually preached it before in Tucson a few years back, and I just, it came to my mind for tonight. I knew I'd be preaching tonight and Sunday night. I like to be like a more evangelistic type service uh, and I just thought of this sermon for this evening and really felt it was the right timing of God. This, is, this sermon is not to, meant to condemn anybody or any, any of that. It's just meant to show you the strategy of the enemy against our lives. There is a strategy that comes through our compulsions, and he's always trying to move us outside of God's boundaries. And the blessing is, is that David said, the lines are falling to me in pleasant places. If we will stay... Within the boundaries God has called us to, there is blessing there. there. It may take a while for God to bless. It may take a while for God to move. But I'm telling you, staying within his boundaries is the safest place to be. It's a place of prosperity. It's a place where the will of God is performed. It's a place where his destiny is played out in our lives. And staying within those boundaries will be a blessing to your life. And so these altars are open. If you'd like to come and pray, let the Lord help you tonight. Amen.